0: Hello and welcome to the Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me at wwwsonic as well as the Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. Check us out on patreon.com backslash as well. Uh recently I've taken to doing little mini uh mini reviews or mini blurbs on uh the films and TV shows that I have been watching. In uh, this time of social distancing, where I've basically been staying home as much as I can unless uh, absolutely needed, and uh, that's one of the things that you can check out at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. I am pleased to be joined by Timothy J. Cox. He's been on the podcast before. Uh, We've discussed acting. We've discussed his work. We've discussed various films. And uh, we are going to he, – he actually came to me with this idea for an episode of the podcast, and it's a fantastic idea. Uh, last week, um, yeah. from the time that we are recording this, was Jack Nicholson's 83rd birthday. And Timothy thought it would be great to have a discussion on uh, Nicholson's career, and I'm certainly glad to uh, do that. Uh Timothy, thank you very much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Brian. It's great to be back.
0: Um the the thing the thing about Nicholson and I I actually took the opportunity to uh check out a couple of movies I hadn't seen of his for the uh first time this weekend and then uh this morning I actually rewatched uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest for oh. the first time in a few years to prepare for this podcast. Uh when did you first become familiar with Nicholson as an actor?
1: I think you know when I was growing up as a as a kid I was always aware of Nicholson because he was just so unique but probably the movie that when I was really young that sent him for me into iconic status was probably Batman. Yeah. Because um you know, I, when that movie came out, you know, growing up in Wilmington, Delaware, I think Friends and I, when the movie opened, I think we saw it five times in one day. <laughs> and that was the days when, you know, I think it was like a dollar fifty or $2 to go to a movie. But, um, and just, you just couldn't take your eyes off him. He was just yeah. so unique. And of course, I think I had seen The Shining and uh, Terms of Endearment and movies like that. But, uh, Going South or, um, uh, And then I think it was after Batman that I I just became a a huge, huge fan. And then, of course, just going back, you know, going to video stores and just starting really at the beginning of his career, you know, going into the 60s and just watching this incredible filmography of of films that Mm. uh, it it really and and just looking through his filmography it, it's not just like, you know, some actors, you know, may have a handful of iconic films and film performances. Him, it's extraordinary in just about every decade the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s. He not only has one or two, he may have several yes. iconic film performances and really wonderful films. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is, I think, just one of the most impressive filmographies of any actor um in in the business
0: yeah and it's it's weird to think um it it's weird to think he hasn't been acting since 2010 the last film he made was uh how do you know which was the uh james l brooks film
1: yeah and un- unfortunately it I think he had just a brief supporting part in the film and yeah. the film, it was one of those films I think that came and went cause, uh, yeah. and, and it was, you know, charming and, you know, pleasant enough. It was, it was good cast like Paul Rudd, Owen Wilson, Reese Witherspoon, Nicholson. Mm-hmm. It had a good, you know, James Earl Brooks, who's had an unbelievable track record, but for whatever reason, the movie just didn't, uh, just didn't hit with audiences. And, I, I think he came out a couple of years ago and I think he re- officially retired. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, I think now I think it had to do with, you know, just not, uh, you know, memorizing lines and, and all of that i mean it's tough uh, yeah. to do that, but uh, I mean certainly uh you would love it if he came back and i mean i, I there I would love it if he came back in and, and another movie, and I would love it if Gene Hackman came back mm-hmm. and made another movie but like I, I just want to see i want to see like a great movie with robert duval dustin hoffman gene hackman and nicholson and michael Caine. i think that would just be yeah. you know <laughs> uh i don't know if that, that's it's unlikely that that's going to happen but you know a man can dream
0: <laughs> oh yeah and and the funny thing is it's like you you brought up hackman and that's kind of where it was going to go after this where it's like nicholson essentially retired in 2010 was his last role uh, Gene Hackman retired, uh, Sean Connery hasn't made movies since League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, so he's basically retired, and it's it's weird to think of all of these great iconic actors from that relative era of movie making, the 60s and 70s, who are just not making movies, who are just not acting anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it you still see uh, Donald Sutherland, still Michael Caine, Robert yeah. Duvall. I mean, um, you know, it uh and of course from the female side, you know, you still see uh Jane Fonda working and uh, it's mm-hmm. uh I I think like uh for for a lot of these actors, I mean, Gene Hackman, on average, in the 1970s and 80s, would average about four or five movies a year. Oh, yeah. And it it probably takes a toll, mm-hmm. uh, I would imagine, after a while. And, uh, well, and it just gets exhausting, too. Um, you know, you think, I mean, I think the way movies are made uh, uh, is different. I think a lot of the movies that we're going to talk about that Nicholson made in the 70s, they couldn't be made Today, yeah. the way you know Bob Rafelson and Mike Nichols made them back in the seventies uh, were just you know it was it was just a different time.
0: Oh no, that's absolutely right. And the thing is, it's like I, you know, not only are movies made differently, but like it's hard to think of them. It, it's hard to think of like what type of movies. Nicholson and Hackman and Connery would find themselves in nowadays yeah it really is like it really is on the one hand it's it's disappointing that these great titans have you know hung it up and it's completely understandable the idea of you know being able to memorize lines and all of that being a big reason that uh, Nicholson has hung it up, but also it's like it's disappointing, but at the same time it's also unfortunately understandable given the 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 way the types of films that are typically made nowadays. Yeah, to back then.
1: Well, you look at like you know a movie like Five Easy Pieces that came out that was really like his first big starring vehicle after easy rider yeah. that movie I don't think that movie could be made today I don't think a producer would take a chance on it as, as brilliant a film as it was because it's a very quiet thoughtful you know about uh it, it, I guess what people would try to think it as an independent film like it wouldn't I may not a producer may not look at it as a um or a, a studio may not look at it as a big money maker, like a, a Marvel or the Mission Impossible series yeah. or things like that. Um, same thing with, you know, a movie like King of Marvin Gardens or Last Detail or, mm. you know, the, or even Cuckoo's Nest maybe for that matter. But, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, and now they're remaking uh, a lot of stuff. Like I know they're they're looking at remaking, or I don't know if they're looking at remaking The Shining. Actually, I thought I heard that they're actually looking at trying to make a stage play version of The Shining. I don't know if okay. that's gonna, gonna so, happen now, yeah. but, you know. No, well, I mean,
0: with so with The Shining, you had Doctor Sleep last year, and then I think they are doing like a prequel series of yeah, look for HBO mm. Max, and it's like, I'm not sure if I need the prequel series. I actually really like Doctor Sleep. I thought they did a good job of uh, making it as very i i thought they did a really good job of making a pretty decent sequel to a movie that i absolutely adore right uh, and uh yeah but yeah i i but I people these about the idea of somebody redoing cuckoos Netflix well and the, for the stage but
1: well and the thing is you know a movie like doctor sleep like it did okay financially and that's the thing that pundits are, are looking at well yeah. you know it's a it's it's a good movie but how did it do financially and that's you know that's yeah. just the nature of the of where business is these days i mean um you know i mean uh like a lot of uh it's just the way the business is now
0: mm-hmm. so you're i think my first real introduction to uh nicholson was batman as well he played the joker was Right at that age, I was 11 going on 12 when Batman came out. So I mean that was was a it was a big movie for me to watch and I you know like like a lot of people, I was just really transfixed by uh, Nicholson's performance as the Joker. And I, but oh yeah, I also love what Keaton did as uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman <laughs> as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and the movie, I mean, you know, kids, you know, people in the 70s talk about, you know, like Star Wars and the experience of that. I think Batman was kind of like that for for me and maybe our generation, because, I mean, you remember like. When the movie came out, it was everywhere. Not just the movie, oh, but yeah. like the cards, the posters, the comic books, the you know the toys, and all of that. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was huge. I remember being the Joker uh, um, for Halloween when the movie <laughs> came out. I mean, I remember going to a like uh, a, a Salvation Army, and I said to mom, I said, I need an orange. Silk dress shirt because I gotta I gotta look like Jack's Joker,
0: you
1: know. <laughs> and she was like, I don't, you know. I mean, so we I think I think we ended up finding like a, a really sleek woman's orange blouse. Yeah. And I and 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 it worked, mm-hmm. but uh, no, I mean, it, and he and that's the thing is by that time he had already been a legend, mm-hmm. you know, because of just the the movies and and just the iconic status. I mean. He is one actor if you're talking movies all you have to do is say Jack yes. and everyone knows exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> I mean I mean that's it's immortality. Uh, mm. you know Jack the man with the grin and the sunglasses. I mean Yeah. And the amazing thing is is that if you know I mean I have seen he, he's done he's done 79 80 film appearances in movies and TV shows and he started in 1958. I think mm-hmm. like if you look at a lot of his early film work like in Roger Corman stuff like uh Little Shop of Horrors or Cry Baby Killer or uh you don't really think that this guy is going to have a great film career right. because um not that he was he was terrible but I think at that time in 1958 in the early part of the 60s we were still you know movie stars were still like Cary grant and jimmy stewart and john wayne jack nicholson didn't look like a movie star and um i i guess i think the person that we got i think two people that need to be thanked one is dennis hopper and peter fonda and the other is rip torn yeah uh they're the the and people don't know the story i guess rip torn was originally cast as george hansen in easy rider and uh I think by that time Nicholson was kind of turning away from acting and I think he was going, he was wanting more to be uh, a screenwriter and a director and Rip Torn was cast in the role of the lawyer in easy rider. And I guess early into the process, he and Dennis Hopper didn't get along and Rip Torn either was fired or let go, depending on who you ask. Right. And Nicholson was brought in at the last minute to play the role was memorable, stole every scene that he was in and got his first Academy Award nomination and everything took off from there. But, but by that time he had already knocked around the business for about 10 years and Mm -hmm. he had appeared, he had appeared in the, if you, if you you haven't seen the Raven, it's, he's, it's a, it's the old horror film. It's him and it's Vincent Price, Boris Karloff and Peter Lorre. Okay. Now, and it's and it's you know one of those you know the Roger Corman uh, Al, uh, Edward Edgar Allan Poe oh, yeah. movies yeah. and but it's so funny watching those three actors and then you throw in Jack Nicholson and mm-hmm. what we know of Nicholson and his you know his style of acting and all of that it's it's I mean Nicholson you know we're in tights and stuff like that and it's 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 it's, it's, it's wonderful to watch like uh, uh, of just like Jack and those early uh, films that are are, are just. You know, they're just right. fun to watch. They're not—they're not great movies, but they're—you just—you just get a kick out of it. I—I
0: mm-hmm. I need to check out the Raven actually, because of the fact that I—I I am a fan of the uh, Corman uh, Poe adaptations I've seen, and so I'm very curious to see what one with that cast is like, especially that text. I mean that 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 text is really. It, interesting uh choice for that collision of uh actors
1: oh yeah and you know i mean you know and after the raven i mean he did work regularly like on television and Mm -hmm. uh but his um you could tell like there was an episode of like uh the andrew griffith show that he was on and he looked very uncomfortable because that his style of acting and not only him but like Bruce Dern or Donald Sutherland, Peter Boyle, like the age of like naturalistic, not the non leading man type uh, leads that were coming in the late 60s and all through the 70s, through the mid 1960s, you could tell that many of them just didn't. It was hard for them to get a foothold in really, really good parts. All yeah. through the 60s and Nicholson of course was the same uh, way but when Easy Rider came along he just went up by gangbusters and he just had an unbelievable string of really great early film performances I mean of course Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, Carnal Knowledge, one of my favorite a really underrated film of his is The King of Marvin Gardens which he did with Bob Rafelson and uh, Bruce Dern, where Nicholson plays this very shy, timid uh, brother, and, and Bruce Dern plays his brother, Alan Burston is in it. And if you if you get a chance, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, okay. it, it, it it's a small film. Um, and then The Last Detail, which is one of my favorite Nicholson performances, Chinatown, The Cuckoo's Nest, and just, you know, all along there, everyone is just boom, 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 cementing yeah. his status as a superstar, but also an exceptional actor.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I will be – I'll go ahead and out myself. I am not as familiar with most of Nicholson's work in the 70s as I should be. I have seen Chinatown. I have seen Cuckoo's Nest. Like I said, I just watched Cuckoo's Nest again this morning. And then um, I actually watched – it was on Criterion Channel, so I checked it out. Uh, the Passenger, uh, Antonioni film, and it was really it's interesting to look at something like the Passenger and Cuckoo's Nest, which both came out the same year, and yeah, there but there's such different there's different energies coming off of Jack in both of those movies. Yeah, like in Passenger, he's in, at the beginning of Passenger, if you haven't seen it, he plays a he, – he basically plays a, a journalist who's gone to a war-torn area in Africa, and he's trying to find gorillas to do an interview with, but he can't find any. So he goes back to his hotel, and this businessman that was staying at the hotel uh, – he had that he had talked to uh dies and he takes the opportunity to essentially fake his own death and then take over this guy's life as a businessman not realizing at the time that his business is arms trafficking and the film is really fascinating to watch it's it's one of the few Antonioni films I've seen I think the only other seen one of his that I've seen so far to blow up. Mm-hmm. But um it's it's interesting to watch the way it it's sort of a film noir oh, yeah. sort of a thriller, but yeah. one, it's it's move it moves at a very deliberate pace. It's not really and it doesn't have that same energy out of Nicholson that you're used to seeing after Cuckoo's Nest. Right. And then you know I watched Cuckoo's Nest this morning, and almost from the very beginning, there's something different about Nicholson in that movie, in compared to anything prior to that that you'd seen. And it's ironically, it's it's the role that almost sort of defined the rest of his career as this yeah. rascally uh, character that um just shakes things up everywhere it goes. Mm-hmm.
1: now and it's a uh well I mean Cuckoo's Nest I think was the culmination of, of all of those, you know, the character from uh Carnal Knowledge and Last Detail and Chinatown and all coming together to make uh McMurphy. And uh and it no it's I mean it's 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 an extraordinary film. And the thing is Nicholson very smartly, and I mean Milos Forman very smartly, uh, surrounded him with a stellar supporting cast. Oh, yeah. I mean, you see young Christopher Lloyd and Danny DeVito and, uh, you know, uh, William Redfield. Uh, I mean, it's just a, uh, and it's so, and it's funny and it's sad and it's heartbreaking. I yeah. mean, you I mean, every, I mean, every time you watch it, you know, the ending of the film, you always tear up just cause, mm-hmm. uh, but um yeah. But no, I mean, and I think, you know, the Cuckoo's Nest role, you know, after Cuckoo's Nest, he kind of slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. He, di- he did He the Missouri Breaks with, I think the reason to do that he was he worked with Brando. And the Missouri Breaks, it's an odd film. I mean, it's a movie that, I mean, it's it's part Western, part mystery, but it's also kind of funny because Brando was so all over the place. If you watch the film, he, uh, he, he, you know, there's points where he does an Irish accent and, you know, <laughs> the, then the next scene, the accent is gone. And, but it, it, the, the, the joy in it is just watching two amazing actors. Yeah. Uh, but I would imagine that Arthur Penn had his hands full with Brando oh, yeah. and, and then he did a cameo in The Last Tycoon. Um, he directed his first movie. Uh, actually, I think I don't think Going South was his first one as a director, but I think his first major film. Uh, and then he took a year off, and then he came back and did The The Shining, which I know Stephen King is not um, a fan of the casting of. of Nicholson in, in the part of Jack Torrance, but, yeah. uh, I, I, think it works. I think that's also, I think what made him the iconic, like that just added onto the, oh, yeah. uh, the iconic, uh, <laughs> persona, because I mean, that bar scene, that laugh, and mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you go online and it's just, you know, you can see that, uh, anytime, anywhere. Yeah.
0: No, Jack, no, in Jack Torrance, cause it, if, if you know me at all, you know, The Shining is my favorite horror film of all time. Um, and I I completely understand. I understand why Stephen King was he- hesitant about Nicholson being cast because it's like, oh, you're tipping the hat off that he's gonna be kind of nuts. Uh, yeah, going going early, but at the same time, the more I watch that film, the the more you see that like Nicholson for the film that Kubrick made of that material, it was absolutely the right call to have somebody like Nicholson because of the fact that you, you want somebody who is going to be able to snap and believably well, snap too.
1: And I, I think it works too, because you even see in the beginning, you already see the cracks yeah. in Nicholson's Jack Torrance and that all and the overlook just brings out what's already there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Stephen King, I think originally like he wanted like John Voigt or Michael Moriarty who would have been, marvelous it would have been a, i mean i think it would have been a different jack torrance which I mean you know i mean like uh when steven weber did it the miniseries version yeah. um it it was very different but i think a few nicholson isms i think were were slipped in maybe by you know steven weber uh because mm-hmm. uh, you gotta you gotta you gotta tip the hat to uh, the master every once in a while.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. And I mean, there there are moments in uh, the the Shining. There are so many like great moments, like the moment where uh, Wendy comes up to him and he's typing, and he he gets agitated. And you've seen that uh, deep fake episode, that deep fake video with Jim Carrey, yeah, enacting it, mm-hmm. and just the way Nicholson hits every beat, and then the. The the scene that I always – is both terrifying and just laugh out loud hilarious for Nicholson's work is when he's confronting – Wendy's seen his quote-unquote work and has the baseball bat and she's backing up the stairs while he's coming after her. Yeah. And he has those, he has that, the line reading of uh, Wendy, darling, light of my life. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's really darkly funny for me to always listen to those, those line rings. And it just adds to the tension of the moment. Well, and the thing about him also is that, you know, there are actors that,
1: you know, it, there are some actors who, it, it, the way that Jack works sometimes, like, you know, in this or in like The Witches of Eastwick, where that it, 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 it's over the top, but it works. It's almost <laughs> operatic in a way, but it works. That you want that. Yeah. In this kind of a character mm-hmm. you you have. I mean, he goes all out. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no I mean. Uh, and I imagine that, you know, all of these movies that, you know, that he's done and where, you know, you have to go to those dark places and over the top places. It has to mm-hmm. cost a lot emotionally in time. But um, it, it's amazing that uh, what he's able to do with parts like Jack Torrance and the devil and uh, and even the departed where yeah. you know it, it it's, uh, there's a little bit of that it works mm-hmm. and i don't I, there's not many actors that that can do that and still be riveting still be believable and still be uh thir- and thoroughly interesting you really can't take your eyes off them. Of, oh mean, no um, and
0: and you mentioned uh, witches of eastwick which i just watched a couple months ago from it's, a it's, it's a fun movie it's a lot of really it's a really fun movie and i i think You know, having somebody like George Miller make that film, like he's going to he's sort of like Kubrick in the sense that he's going to he he's going to make sure that what Nicholson is doing is absolutely what Miller wants him to do. And what Miller and he's going to maximize Nicholson's strengths in a role like that. And he's such a delight as as this roguish, uh, just seducer of these three women and witches Weech- of Eastwick, but he's you also realize he how much of a bastard he is. Oh yeah, he's completely believable in as a, as a devil in that. Oh, well, and it
1: well and it works, and he's 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 sleek, and uh, I mean. Yeah, it it just it just works. I mean, again, it's like you know, there's a persona that you know, you know, that he has, that Clint Eastwood has, that Paul Newman and Brando and De Niro and all those guys. But Jack, he just what he's able to get away with is extraordinary.
0: Yeah, no, he it's fantastic. And the thing is interesting after
1: The Shining. You know, he had done the Postman Always Rings Twice remake, which is very, very good. And then he did something really, really unique and interesting. His next couple of movies, he started taking like supporting roles like mm-hmm. Reds. He played Eugene O'Neill. He was excellent as Eugene O'Neill in yeah. Reds. Re- Reds is a job to get through, but uh, I mean, it's a, 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 an extraordinary film. But yeah. um, and then in Terms of Endearment, mm-hmm. which as we discussed the role of Garrett Breedlove, is not in the Larry McMurtry uh, novel. Mm-hmm. James Earl Brooks, who had done the movie starting over with Burt Reynolds, which I think is the best film Burt Reynolds ever did, um, had, they had a ball working together, and the role of Garrett was written for Burt Reynolds, yes. and Burt Reynolds turned it down to do a leading role in Stroker Ace, which sadly is not a, a very good film. Yeah. And Jack, Jack Nicholson did the part, won his second Academy Award, and I think, you know, I think he would always send a thank you note to Burt every year.
0: But, um... Yeah, and I just, but, I just watched Terms of Endearment for the first time this weekend. That was the other uh, movie I'd seen for the first time this weekend in preparation for this, other than The Passenger. And the, the thing that's so great about Nicholson in that movie is the fact that there's genuine sincerity to how he reacts to Shirley McLean's character.
1: Oh, they're, they're wonderful together. I mean, they, they really are, uh, the chemistry yeah. is, uh, immediate. And, um, no, I mean, and their scenes like they really crackle. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, uh, I think originally the the book the rights to the book had been bought by actress jennifer jones Hmm. and um i think the option either they they repurchased like the options either ran out or whatever and then james earl brooks and then i think originally it was going i thought i think sissy spacek was going to be emma and and then uh officer and a gentleman had come out and Urban Cowboy and Deborah Winger had become like a big, yeah, a big name, and I know we all know the stories of how Miss McLean and Miss Winger didn't like one another, but it it worked. Yeah. It worked. I mean, uh, it's funny. My I introduced the movie to my wife maybe about a year or two ago. We're sitting there on the couch watching it, and I'm looking over it at her, and she's just she's not laughing, and we got maybe. 45 minutes or an hour, and she just says, I, and she just didn't care for the movie because, you know, uh, she said Nicholson, I guess, was the highlight, but she's -hmm. uh, she's like, uh, but to each one's own, I guess, but yeah.
0: and, And the thing, the thing that I love, I think one of my favorite things about Nicholson in that is actually at the very, very end of the movie where, you know, it's, I, you know you you have this scene at the airport at the, yeah well not even that even further than that i mean that's a great scene in its own right um but i'm talking about after uh oh yeah at the, yeah at the very very end whatever yeah everybody's gathered i'm trying yeah. to really spoil as little of the movie as possible if you exactly yeah <laughs> and um he he basically he basically gets up and he's he's he he starts interacting with Emma's children and yeah. like Emma's oldest son, I think. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's such... There's a warmth as well as this uh, this rascally energy that comes out of Nicholson in moments. To get his like, mind that just, off, uh, yeah. That, that's just really... It's one of the most special aspects of him as a performer.
1: Yeah. He, uh... And then that that brought him right back into uh, the stratosphere. I mean, Pritzy's Honor, which was the last film that he had, uh, that John Houston, that, that's the last film he made with John Huston. That's a really wonderful
0: film. It's, uh, it's of all of funny, Houston, yeah. Of all of the John Houston movies I haven't seen, that's the one that I want to see the most. It? It's
1: it is so well. And the thing is, you know, it's so funny because Nicholson does something extraordinary. He plays in, in, in he's an idiot like Charlie. And that's the thing is, like, I think the bit of direction that John Huston gave me he says, remember, Jack is dumb. So <laughs> speak, speak slow. And it's but that was, you know, and talk about chemistry. Him and Kathleen Turner are wonderful together. Um, the entire cast across the board. Uh, you have Robert Loja, William Hickey, Lee Richardson, the great John Randolph. I mean, it's just and it's a wonderful Wonderful black uh,
0: comedy. comedy. Yeah, um, and let's see. Yeah, well, I we mean, already talked about *Witches of Eastwick*. Uh, I it's been ages since I've seen broadcast news. I don't even remember him being in that. Yeah, he
1: has a cameo as kind of like a big, um, big network news anchor, and he has maybe like one or two scenes and. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I just as a favor to to James Earl Brooks, but like he makes a very, very nice appearance, uh, follow that up with Ironweed, which is another, uh, wonderful film, uh, him and Meryl Streep played depression era, um, you know, kind of uh, two drunks basically that, uh, going through the depression based on the novel by William Kennedy and, uh, yeah and if anyone's looking it has like a a early dramatic performance from Nathan Lane and Fred Gwynn I mean it's uh it's it's not a movie I mean they were both nominated for Academy Awards richly deserved of course but like it's not a movie that when you're talking about the um filmography of Nicholson it's not a movie that comes up but it's a this this broken man who's trying to you know a life on the road and you know he enjoys being an alcoholic and uh, he has his, his pal in mm-hmm. in, uh, in in Merrill Street. Now it's that's one that's highly recommended uh, as well.
0: Okay, and then we're we're going to get into the 90s here. He uh, he comes back for a Chinatown sequel, The Two Jakes. Uh, yeah,
1: that which I've that not was a seen. it it was a very troubled production. It was, yeah. I mean, one, I um, it yeah, he, it was a troubled production. Um, it, it uh, I think, you know, he was, he was the director of the film and he was the star and it was just, uh, and it's, you know, when you're making a sequel to a film that is considered by many to be one of the greatest films ever made, one yeah. of the greatest screenplays yeah. that Robert Towne ever wrote, um, that's, that's pretty big shoes to film. And, and I think, by, and I think by that time, I think the two Jakes kind of had the same, I don't know. It may have, movies had changed mm-hmm. by that time that, um, you know, I think just audiences didn't, just didn't go for it. But yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I always read the trivia section on IMDB. It always has interesting little bits about the film, but, uh, yeah, and I guess there was a New York Times article and uh, I guess with uh, – about the troubled production. So I, I might want to get – I'm sure there's a book out there about the making of it as well. Mm-hmm. That, uh, <laughs> And then he followed it up with another uh, not-so-great film called Man Trouble mm-hmm. uh, that uh, – he did that with Ellen Barkin that uh, – the, the movie just – the problem with Man Trouble is that you, you, it, it, it was the script the script the script the script and i think it's i think man trouble features what i think to be is jack Nicholson's – not one of his best performances like yeah. i think he, I, I think it's one of those perform- films that you could honestly say that he was over the top and it didn't work yeah but he had collaborated again it was another bob Rafelson. they had worked together many many times over the years mm. but uh, you know it 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 didn't uh, unfortunately it didn't work with the public
0: yeah, and then that brings us to A Few Good Men, which was another Oscar nomination for him. Mm-hmm. I this this is probably The Shining is my favorite uh, horror film of all time, but A Few Good Men is probably my favorite movie that Jack Nicholson is in. Um, so a bit of a story with me and my personal experience with the movie. My parents, my grandfather, and I all went to go see it the day after Christmas in 1992. We loved it. We thought it was fantastic. We talked about it. And it was one of those experiences that really started me on the path of really appreciating film in a different way. When the movie came out on video i i rented we rented it constantly because we loved it so much, so much to the point where I at one point had the you can't handle the truth speech memorized verbatim
1: <laughs>
0: I couldn't do that now, but the fact of the matter is it's it's I think The Shining is my favorite movie because of what Nicholson brings to it, but A Few Good Men is my favorite movie with him in it uh, for that reason, other than the fact that it's just a really terrific uh, screenplay by Aaron Sorkin. has got a amazing cast, and it's one of Rob Reiner's best films.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it had been a very big success on Broadway as a play first. Um... And, um, I mean, no, I mean, as far as a cast in a movie, this is like, you know, you got the heavy hitters at the time. I mean, yeah. Tom Cruise, Nicholson, Demi Moore, Kevin Pollock, Kevin Bacon, Kiefer Sutherland. Um, and it's just – and it's just a great, fun, entertaining popcorn film. And, yeah. of course, the the whole point of the movie or the whole thing that you're waiting for is that final showdown between – these two actors, uh, at the top of their game, great, you know, exceptional writing. I, I don't, it's funny, you know, as an actor, you know, now if you ever, if I ever see a, an audition notice for a few good men, there's kind of like a hesitation. Cause it's kind of like, you know, cause you have Tom Cruise and you have Nicholson in your head yeah. when you, when you get to that famous uh, speech, because they, they really did it in, in such an, uh, an iconic way that uh, trying to top it would be uh, would be difficult.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if I remember correctly, I remember reading or hearing correctly, um, when they were shooting that moment, uh, Nicholson, he, when, if they had to do that scene over, for whatever reason, Nicholson would just do the entire thing. Oh, yeah. It wasn't... It wasn't a matter of, okay, we'll start here. No, no, I'm going to do the entire thing over again. Yeah. And it was, it's extraordinary just, you know, just watching that that energy that you're used to in Nicholson just come out in a very different, very sharp, uh, decisive way that's very different than what we are used to seeing in like Cuckoo's Nest or Batman or The Shining.
1: Oh sure. I mean he uh mean, I think he's in the movie maybe a total I think of what 15 minutes and uh yeah something like that. And that, you know, he comes in in the in the very beginning and then in the end and your whole time you're just you're waiting for him to come back because you know that there's going to be a showdown mm-hmm. between him and Tom Cruise. And uh no, it, it's definitely uh Definitely up there, like with definitely one of the classics. And he followed that up with what I think is one of his most underrated film performances, which is uh, as Jimmy Hoffa in uh, in Danny DeVito's Hoffa. It came out the same year. Yeah, I remember when the movie came out. There was, I think, local papers that were talking about um, that the budget was over. It was a it was a heavily over budget movie, and I don't recall that the movie did very well financially. But it's a solid movie. Um, screenplay by David Mamet. It's got a lot of uh, Mamet favorites in there: the late great Robert Prosky, Armand Sante, J.T. Walsh, of course, young John C. Riley, and Nicholson. Um, Nicholson is is exceptional. As uh, as Jimmy Hoffa. I mean, uh, you know, he has, uh, you know, all of the right the rhythms and uh, of of Hoffa He certainly has, you know, Kevin Anderson, who was Bobby Kennedy. I mean, they had a lot of um, uh, fireworks in their scenes. I think one of the criticisms of the film also was that it was so profane. That in 1992, that you know, movie theaters, not many people were were showing it, but uh, yeah. now that's definitely one that um, if if you haven't seen it, uh, that's one worth uh, checking out as well.
0: Yeah, it's one. On, it, it's it's one that I still have not had a chance to uh, check out, but I definitely will.
1: And then you know, he re collaborated with Mike Nichols again. I, I think of all of them. And Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Of all of the movies, you know, when you think of the kinds of parts that that you would think Jack Nicholson would play, um, the Wolf Man doesn't come to mind. But that's what in 1994 he did. A wolf with uh, with Mike yeah. Nichols, Michelle Pfeiffer, Christopher Plummer, James Spader, who who uh, I think has the best part in the film. Um, and Richard Jenkins and Kate Nelligan, and it's a fine film. Yeah, it's a it's, uh, it's, it, it's a fine film. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of um, yeah, you know, it's it's a fine film. I mean, not nothing extraordinary about it, but yeah, like uh, mean, it was.
0: Yeah, I mean we we saw it in we saw it in theaters. We you know we thought it was okay. It was it was all right. You know it was it was it was fun watching those actors in in that type of movie it was you know I wasn't as familiar with Mike Nichols work as I am now it's it's one that I I do want to revisit at some point just because of Nichols and Pfeiffer and uh Jack Nichol and uh Nicholson and uh just how much more all of those people mean to me now is as for as having seen more of their work and being more familiar with their work yeah um But, yeah, I mean, I I remember, you know, thinking it was okay. It wasn't anything, you know, overly – it wasn't anything uh, particularly special about those.
1: Yeah. And then um, over the next couple of years, like, he popped up in a couple of movies that uh, were not big Hollywood films. They were kind of really, like, intimate films. He collaborated with, with Sean Penn on two films, and The Crossing Guard and The Pledge, which I think are both excellent films. He recollaborated with Bob Rafelson on Blood and Wine, and really the joy of Blood and Wine is watching him and Michael Caine work together. Um, that, uh, well, in Blood and Wine, at that time, I think Michael Caine said uh, in his book that, you know, he was thinking he was he was he had become kind of disenchanted with acting and was thinking of retiring. And I think he had owned a couple of restaurants at the time. He says, "I'm just going to retire from acting and." uh you know, and just you know run my restaurants and he got a call one day from Jack Nicholson to play this supporting part in in blood and wine and it's a an independent film, not a big uh and it's uh you know a kind of a heist film you know and it's uh young Jennifer Lopez and stephen Dorff. and it's a uh, it's it's a really really solid uh indie uh indie effort
0: yeah. Yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, I I've not seen. I don't think I've seen the Crossing Guard. I've always been curious about, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, Blunt Wine, and then his the pledge film. Well, and the the pledge I have seen, and yeah, I I agree with you. That is that is a fantastic collaboration between uh, he and Sean Penn. Yeah. Um, yeah but uh I blood wine I want to say i i know i I believe blood wine I did see it was it was interesting it was okay uh and then one of his other movies that year, which you and I talked about sort of in uh over message was uh the Evening star, which is a sequel to Terms of endearment mm-hmm. uh, reunited he uh Nicholson and Shirley MacLaine. It's not as. As the original. No, he, um, he, Nicholson only appeared in
1: like a brief scene near the end of the film. And, uh, yeah, it just, um, James Earl Brooks was not, uh, I think it was Robert Harling, I think, who may have, uh, did the adapt- adaptation and they may have directed it. Uh, yeah, Robert Harling and, uh, No, I mean, um, it's got a good cast. You know, Shirley MacLaine is back, Bill Paxton, Juliette Lewis, who plays, uh, who actually looks a lot like Deborah Winger. Um, Miranda Richardson, Ben Johnson, which was, I believe, his last movie. Um, And uh, but for whatever reason, like, uh, again, I think it just came down to the script. Yeah, it was a little it was all over the place. It didn't have the humor and the uh, the heart of of the terms of endearment but again it had been by that time it had probably been about 15 years since terms movies had changed and audiences just didn't uh, didn't embrace it
0: yeah um so that that leads us to both tim burton's mars attacks which i am not a terrible fan of but i I I certainly I certainly appreciate the insanity of Tim Burton having Jack Nicholson play the president of the United States. Yeah, um, that's that's a that's a fun little conceit for a movie that is completely ridiculous and uh, yeah, other shape or form.
1: Well, I think Tim Burton had done Ed Wood, and I think his follow up yeah. was a movie that Ed Wood probably would have made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's, it's, it's an okay film. It's not, Nicholson plays two roles, uh, in the film. He plays the president and he plays like another, like a, like, like a Vegas, like uh hotel oh, yeah, owner. Right. Yeah. i trying to
0: think of the other, the other, uh, role they played, but. Yeah.
1: Know. And, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it, I think it was a lot of fun, but, uh, certainly not, uh, not, uh, not, not a movie that's probably yeah. going to be discussed in his. Compared to, I mean, the other movie that he did that year, which was as good as it gets, which yes. nabbed him his third Oscar. And uh, the movie, um, it, it's interesting. I think when the movie was in the early stages of development, uh, Kevin Klein, I think, was cast or originally thought to be Melvin. And that, it would have been a very, very, very different movie. I mean, it would have been a movie I I still would have liked to have seen, but I think um, recollaborating again with James O. Brooks, the addition of Helen Hunt and Greg Mm -hmm. Kinnear um, and just, it's a funny movie, but it's also, it's it's heartbreaking because you know, whenever I see the ending of the film, I, I always get this feeling they're not going to make it. It's the same thing I get whenever I watch the, the apartment, which I think there's a lot of similarities between the apartment and as good as it gets is that people I think automatically look to it as a comedy, but it, they're as comedies, but they're really yeah. uh, they're, they're very they're heartbreaking because they're more uh i think true to life than uh, than people imagine uh, than people think
0: yeah i I, I thought it was a fine film when I saw it in 97. I, I actually had to look and see, because I couldn't remember what he... I couldn't remember who he won the Oscar over that year. Um, mm-hmm. And because I was curious, because to see whether I would actually agree with that assessment or not, and he the other nominees were Dustin Hoffman for Wag the Dog, which is... it It's a... Good performance and a funny movie, but I you know, mean, mm-hmm. I know that was uh Matt Damon for Goodwill Hunting, which was a very good performance, Peter uh, Peter Fonda for Yuli's Gold, which I did think was a really good role, and
1: and Robert Duvall for
0: The Apostle, which yeah, I, I think I would probably say that probably should have been the win there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, you it, it's it's not it's not movie words like you you question why Jack Nicholson won the Oscar for it because of the fact that he, he I mean, he he was he was certainly worthy of being in that that discussion that year. Oh,
1: sure. And then, you know, just when you think that. Nicholson's climbed the mountain and done everything in movies that, uh, that he can't, he comes out and breaks your heart and does about Schmidt, which I, yes. I think, which I think is the last really, really great performance. I mean, he, he's, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed him in anger management and something's got to give and the departed and even the bucket list. Yeah. Uh, but I think about Schmidt is really, I think the last like, because he played a man, one he played a man his own age, mm-hmm. but he was able. He played this man with the the comb over and uh, yeah, and it, it's a it's a heartbreaking, wonderful Alexander Payne yeah uh, film, and it's mm-hmm. just stellar across the board. And him, Kathy Bates, and Hope Davis, and um, it, it, it's it's and it emerged. I think is it, it's hard if you were to try to get down five of Nicholson's best performances. It it would be hard to do, but I would have to yeah. I think I would put about Schmidt up there in the top five.
0: Yeah, I think it would definitely be worthy of uh the discussion, certainly. Um it would probably be mine just by default, just because there are still so many movies of his that uh I have yet to see yet. But no, I mean about Schmidt is, is a fantastic role. And, yeah, I mean, I as much as I love his work in *The Departed*. Yeah, I mean, I would, I I would say as far as like truly Oscar-worthy work, I mean, I would say yeah, schmidt was kind of the last hurrah for that. I mean, he, and it, it's it's entertaining to watch him and Adam Sandler go at it about oh yeah management. Uh, he does he does good work in *Something's Gotta Give*. I mean, I it's I charming. It's charm. Tri- it's charming. List?
1: yeah the bucket list i remember when the trailer for anger management came out and i think they had uh, you know sandler and it cut to him making that and i thought oh my god this yeah. movie is going to be awesome just because <laughs> to see you know um it's just going to be so much fun and it's yeah. it's a fun movie you know i mean sandler uh, at, at that the height of his popularity and mm-hmm. uh and something's got to give watching, watching two pros, him and Diane Keaton. I mean, also it features no, no one cries on film like better than Diane Keaton. <laughs> but like, uh, no, I mean, and again, like the, the bucket list, re- re- collaborating again with Rob Reiner, just watching again, two great actors, him and Morgan yeah. Freeman. Um, you know, not, I mean, uh, a, a fine film, not a great film, but like, I think you're watching it mostly for uh Just to watch those two actors together.
0: Definitely. But yeah, I I'm I am a big fan of The Departed. I mean, I it was I there are so many really terrific performances in there. Now, I mean, I I do think you know I I think there are like at least two or three other performances that are better than Nicholson's in The Departed. mm -hmm. I I mean his his role as Frank Costello is just. You 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 really do have to see it to uh just appreciate a, a filmmaker like Scorsese being able to bring something a bit more unusual out of a, an actor like Keaton or Nicholson, you know, that late in their careers.
1: Yeah. I was sad to read that I guess that another departed uh Nicholson and Ray Winstone, who share a lot of scenes together, uh, didn't get along. I mean, I would, I mean, Ray Winstone doesn't look like a guy that you want to mess around with. Uh, uh, (laughs) so, I mean, I would imagine, uh, but I imagine you got two tough, two big personalities there that probably just didn't click off camera, but you know, who knows? But now, I mean, you, you look through that, uh, you look through that filmography, I mean, we didn't, uh, I mean, there's an, another Mike Nichols film that I enjoy very much called Heartburn, him and Merle Street. first time they, I think they worked together. And I mean, like, there's, you look through his career, his filmography, and he's, he's always surprising you. There, yeah. there's, there's never, I mean, you, there are some movies that are better than others, but he is, he's never boring. No. He's, I mean, like even, you know, in, he did a movie that I imagine not many people have seen. He did a movie, uh, in 1975 with Mike Nichols called the fortune and it was a film that, and it was kind of, it was him and Warren Beatty and Stockard Channing. And it was kind of like an homage to like screwball comedies, like, of, um, you know, Laurel and Hardy or, um, the Marx brothers or what have you. And it's, yeah. and it's, and it's not a very good movie, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the the energy you, is still apparent like you know the the between him and Warren Beatty and just you know you can see obviously that their friendship uh, you know shines through it's just not a very good uh, movie unfortunately but uh i mean you just look through all of his uh even all of the biker films from the 60s and uh it, it, he's just when the day come. I remember my wife uh, a couple of years ago, when on the day that David Bowie died, I woke up in the morning and she said, "Guess who passed away?" And I, and I, and I thought I thought she was gonna I thought she was gonna say Nicholson because it's like <laughs> when when the day comes where when Jack passes, I think it's gonna be like a week of like mourning yeah. because because yeah. it's kind of like people who've grown up watching all of his movies and seeing him on award shows and you know, it's, it's an end of an era. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, Billy Crystal said like he's, he's like Babe Ruth. I mean, there should be a number three on the back of his, uh, on his back. Yeah. And I, I feel the same way. I mean, he's an actor that I've always admired. Um, there are are movies of his that I could watch over and over and over and over again, whether Mm -hmm. it's, it's Cuckoo's Nest or The Shining or, um, uh, The Last Detail. And, and, and so many of his movies are so quotable Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, you know, like I remember being at a bar years ago with a guy who he had a couple of too much to drink and he decided to do a couple of lines from, the last detail the lines I can't say on uh, your podcast, but <laughs> the, I am the blanking shore patrol. And it, for those who know, those who know the movie and know the scene, know exactly what I'm talking about. And of course mm-hmm. I, I'm trying, I'm through laughter. I'm trying to get this guy out of the bar before the bartender like beats him. <laughs> but, but that's Jack. I mean, yeah. that that's like, he he's inspired so many uh, people like, um, you know, as, as actors and as writers and directors. I mean, yeah. you know, you just, I, I, I don't know if we're ever going to see uh, another Jack Nicholson come along. Like, you know, and it's the same thing. We're not, we're not going to see, you know, another Martin Scorsese uh, or De Niro or Jane Fonda or when, you know, those sad is when Jill Klayberg passed a couple of years yeah. ago. It's like, Oh, we're never going to, we're never going to see, uh, you know, Jill Klayberg again. So, mm-hmm. I think it's just, you know, these, uh, the, the movies that they made. I mean, we, we have the movies, you know, that'll be with us forever. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And, and, uh, he, he's, he's one of those filmmakers, he's one of those actors where more than many other actors in his generation, uh, he, he spans generations like, oh, yeah, people from multiple generations know him for different reasons in different films, and mm-hmm. that's that's one of the things that's so great about him, and uh, that's one of the things that he why he remains such an icon over the years, and yeah, it's it's gonna be it's it's going to be it's gonna be a really tragic day when we lose him because of the fact that, uh, it's, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be sad. So,
1: but you know, and, um,
0: maybe he'll, maybe he'll come out and
1: make uh well, there, actually there was a rumor a year ago that he was going to do the movie, Tony Erdman. They were going to do an Americanized version of that, that Kristen Wiig was going to do. And then I, I heard, Bill Murray's name attached to it and then I heard Nicholson's name attached to it and of course you know who knows the rumor mill but if he did come back and make another movie or several movies I think it would be great but uh yeah. he might be enjoying retirement too I mean we're, we're talking about a guy he's you know beyond wealthy I mean yeah. uh he's uh he's relaxing and enjoying himself probably I mean uh that uh, but you know there's a little part of you that Once she wants him to come back and, Mm -hmm. you know, get back on the court again.
0: Yeah. Well, with that said, um, I think this will be a good place to wrap it up. Uh, Yeah. Thank you very much for uh, joining me today.
1: Thank you, Brian. It's always a pleasure to chat movies with you. And uh, we have to do this again. We've got to pick another actor. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay, and then I'll uh, do a uh, conclusion after that, and uh, then I'll I'll keep you posted as far as when I uh, when I have this uh, ray to post. I'll probably I'll try to get pr- relatively soon in the next week or so. Sounds to, good uh, to post. But yeah, it was good to talk to you again. I'm glad you uh, came to me with this idea. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's fun. And also, yeah. I mean, it get for an hour, it
1: gets our mind off what's going on in the world.
0: Yeah, exactly. But,
1: but uh... Uh, yeah. and uh, But no, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, Brian. And uh, be safe, and uh, best well. to Meredith
0: as well. Okay, you as well. Okay. Thanks. Take care, Lee. You too. Bye. I'd like to thank Timothy Cox for joining me today and talking about Jack Nicholson. Uh, and I do appreciate him for bringing the idea to To me, it was great discussion. And uh, that's it for this time for the Sonic Cinema podcast.